0: I want to kind of give you some directions and things. Uh, Downstairs, there'll be a nursery, as I understand. uh, Here in the sanctuary, we've just finished renovations in the uh, balcony space for a more child, family-friendly place for kids who need to wiggle, so that's up there as well. As you can see, through the course of the day, we're going to sing, and it won't be the whole day. Through the course of the morning, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. there will be preaching. We'll come to the table for the Lord's Supper. And we're encouraging folks to think of that as coming forward with a special offering. We've asked some people to, asked everybody really, to bring a neighbor's plus bag for groceries or this, that, or the other thing. I'm going to give you complete permission if you need to during a hymn, sneak out and just grab something from the side so the sermon illustration will work. Um, But the idea of bringing forward an offering as an expression of gratitude, even as we receive the grace of God. Um, Some personal thoughts as I was praying for the morning. Thanksgiving is not in the liturgical calendar. It's But it's appropriate that we gather, even on this, a national uh, holiday in the United States, because it's based on historical events. And it's a place where a nation looked at a small, struggling, suffering church and said, wow, we want to live like that. I've got a little book here that was uh, printed in 1662. It's called Mort's Relation. It was the first and the earliest eyewitness account of that uh, Thanksgiving uh, celebration on a day Massasoit, the greatest king of the Wampanoag people, brought 90 Wampanoag warriors. Imagine, that's like two platoons of Marines showing up at your doorstep, twice as many Wampanoag as pilgrims. And what did they do? Their hearts were so filled with gratitude, their generous reception of hospitality said, come and eat. The pilgrims welcomed them for four days. Isn't that amazing? Four days. They ate. They probably had a cornhole tournament. They probably never would have let their cell phone go off like I just did. Giant potluck together. Friends, this is how gospel-centered believers operate. In the midst of our own suffering, we gather with hearts of gratitude to Jesus and express generous hospitality for neighbors. Let's stand and sing, and I'll get my alarm.
1: to join me in the call to worship this morning from 1 Chronicles 29, a prayer of David. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor and praise your glorious name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's stand together and sing, We Gather Together, and the words will be on the screen.
2: God's people say, amen, Amen, and you may be seated. Friends, this morning we gather to remember and give God thanks for the many blessings the Lord has bestowed upon us. We thank God for the basic needs he provides, as well as the gifts of the people he's placed in our lives, but I think we all can agree that the best gift that God has given was the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? This morning we lean into our confession which simply and clearly and powerfully reminds us of the good news of the gospel. And so we're going to recite together the words of Heidelberg Catechism, beloved words of question and answer number one. I'll ask the question and we will respond in unison together. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Join me as we turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we we consider the many reasons to give you praise and thanks this morning on this Thanksgiving morning. Our hearts turn to the words of Psalm 100. The psalmist says these words, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Lord, we, we gather and, and, and we, we declare and we, we offer our praise and our worship this morning. Voices joining with instrument, Lord, to offer you praise that you deserve. We praise you, Lord, for the gifts you give. We thank you for uh, the gifts that you so bountifully give. And we confess, Lord, that we so often take those simple pleasures in life for granted. Lord, the sun that has been shining this morning, we we praise you for that gift. The the snow that covers the earth, the, the glory of your creation. Lord, we are so blessed by by the wonders of this world. And Lord, living here on the lakeshore to watch sunsets, Lord, we we praise you for these gifts that you give so bountifully. We thank you for the simple gifts of life, like food on our tables, a roof over our heads, clothes on our back. We thank you, Lord, for the, the ability to gather here in this space freely without fear. We praise you, Lord, for the gifts that you so bountifully give. And as we've mentioned before, Lord, we thank you most importantly for this gift of the gospel. Lord, that in Jesus Christ, Lord, you call us your own, that we belong body and soul and life and in death to our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the the gift of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, as the psalmist declares that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. And, Lord, as, as our hearts overflow with thanksgiving, Lord, we also recognize that today can be a difficult day for many in our community. And so, Lord, as you call us your sheep, we also recognize, Lord Jesus, that you are our good shepherd. And we pray, Lord, that you administer your grace uh, to those especially who will experience the weight of grief in this day. Lord, remind them of your love and your presence. And, Lord, even in the midst of that, Lord, that you would turn our hearts toward gratitude and thanksgiving to you. And so, Lord, as we continue our worship, Lord, we unite our hearts and voices as we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, saying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts
3: Good morning. Before I um, uh, jump into the text and um, the message this morning, um, I'd like to just kind of give you a little bit of overview of what's going to happen um, so that you're not caught off guard. You probably still will be, but that's okay. Um, So there'll be the reading of the text um, after I'm done, and then we'll move into the message. Um, And then we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Um, we're going to ask you, um, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, to come forward down um, the center aisle. If you've brought um, your bag for Neighbors Plus, um, you are invited at that time to bring it with you as you come forward and place it um, before the Lord's table or here along the side. If you have um, left it outside, that is fine. If you want to go out and get it um, during the middle of the message, that is fine. Um, I will not be offended. Um, and um, But everyone is welcome to the Lord's table whether you brought that bag or not and we just want to reiterate that Um, after the Lord's supper which we will take by intention um, you will take a piece of bread from the plate and then um, dip it in into the cup and then you can return to your seat and that is best done by going back down the sides okay there's the flow are we good Okay, before we, um, before we jump in, I just really want to pause. It is Thanksgiving morning, and I would like to say thank you to all those who are participating this morning, um, the members of our orchestra, um, those who are reading scripture, those who have prayed, um, those who introduced the service, and for all those who um, are working behind the scenes, doing sound, doing um, video, and that made all this possible. So let's just um, begin by saying thanks to them. Okay, our passage um, this morning comes from um, Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, his first letter um, to the church. Um, As we um, read this passage, I want you to keep in mind um, this simple truth, that we are reading other people's mail. And reading other people's mail is always dangerous because there's things going on um, behind the scenes that have led to the writing of this letter that we may not be familiar with. Okay, but we're reading other people's mail, and I don't know about you, um, but most people like to read other people's mail. Um, I guess I should say email now, because um, rarely do we get mail in our post office box. But our text is from um, the first letter to the church at Thessalonica. It's found in chapter 5, um, beginning in verse 12, and I'll read through verse um, Verse 24. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, and warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Be to Our passage this morning from 1 Thessalonians is a great passage, and we could spend the next month or year even unpacking what I read. But as we look at the church of Thessalonica, there's some things going on behind the scenes that set the context. Things that actually, in some ways, may feel very weird to us. And the church in Thessalonica, they believed that Jesus was going to return before their life ended. They believed that uh, Jesus was going to come back um, before they experienced death. And by the time Paul writes this letter, the church at Thessalonica is going through this kind of internal turmoil because parents have died, loved ones have died, and friends have died. And they're trying to make sense of that. That seems very strange to us, but it was not to them. And so there's this kind of internal turmoil that they're experiencing. Also, we know that in the church in Thessalonica at this time, that there was internal turmoil in the church regarding the leadership. There seemed to have been some leadership issues, and one of those issues involved the inability to forgive, to forgive brothers and sisters in the community. So we'll add that turmoil to it, And then on top of that, the church in Thessalonica, like most churches during that period of history, was experiencing persecution from the outside. They were being marginalized. They were being, in our common language, they were being canceled. They were being um, pushed out to the margins. And so the the believers there are wrestling with this internal turmoil and this external pressure. And that is the context in which Paul writes this letter. And Paul is writing to them to encourage them and to instruct them. And if I were to summarize Paul's, um, Paul's theme in this letter, and I would say basically Paul's theme in all of his letters is essentially this. The gospel of Christ changes everything. The gospel of Christ Jesus changes everything. Or to put it in a, in a slightly different way, the gospel of Christ Jesus turns people's thoughts away from themselves and their deeds to the great one who wrought an awesome salvation for them in Christ Jesus. It shifts the perspective. And so I want to ask how does the gospel of Jesus Christ alter our perspective? How does it alter our perspective? Well, on this Thanksgiving day, I think it reminds us that our identity, that our value and our worth is not tied to success or possessions. It confronts us with the reality that living lives of genuine gratitude, giving thanks in all circumstances in a consumer-driven culture is challenging at best and basically unnatural. It just doesn't fit. And you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ alters our expect perspective because it reorients our understanding of the world. It reorients our understanding of our relationships. It reorients every area of our lives because what God has accomplished in and through Jesus Christ. We know in the depth of our being and wholeheartedly believe that this is God's world. And despite the circumstances around us, his purposes are being accomplished. It is because of this truth, Paul instructs us and summons us rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, he's inviting the believers in the church in Thessalonica to a, a life of gratitude. And it's a gratitude that flows from the depth of their being out of appreciation. For God's gift to us in Christ Jesus, knowing that this is God's world, confident that his purposes are being accomplished. And the interesting thing about this gratitude is it's not light. It's a gratitude that allows us both to grieve and to lament. It's a gratitude that reminds us and and that's rooted in God's character. It's not rooted in our circumstances. It's a gratitude that calls us to walk by faith, knowing that this is God's world and that his purposes are being accomplished, even if the means that he's using do not make sense to us at the time. It's a call to walk by faith. It's a genuine gratitude. It's a deep gratitude. It's a gratitude that, is, that changes Our posture, there's a term we've come to use a lot, changes our posture. And probably the best picture of that posture is in Jesus' sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus uses the term blessed. Now, a few years ago, blessed was like the hot term. Remember that? All you remember that? Remember it was the hot term. But blessed is an interesting term because what it describes is an inward contentment that's not affected by external circumstances. It describes a way of being. It's a a being that's not affected, that one's confidence, one's understanding is not shaped by the external circumstances. And you see, gratitude, giving thanks as a posture, is a way of being in the world and relating to others around us because of the finished work of Christ. It ought to... I don't know if I like this word or not, but I'm going to use it. It, it. it ought to ooze out of us. It ought to ooze through our community into our relationships. It ought to ooze into every area of our lives because we know that God will sustain us. Now, Thanksgiving, I have to admit, is one of my favorite holidays. My family... We tried to do it right, but I grew up in a family when it came to feasting, we just did it right. We just did it right. Thanksgiving dinner was, are you ready? Always, not only a nice roasted turkey, but a prime rib. It had all the fixings. The only thing that happened at Thanksgiving that not everybody appreciated was my mom's oyster dressing. But you see, as we gather together today or this weekend with friends and family for Thanksgiving, we gather out of gratitude. Thanksgiving is a feast. The Thanksgiving meal is a feast. And personally, I am a believer that we actually need to feast more often. I like feasts. I'd like big meals. But what I like about big meals besides the food is being with people. And there's something about feasting together, eating together with friends and family that provides a wonderful opportunity to share stories, to give thanks, to walk with each other through the good and the difficult times. Provides a time and reflection And that reflection often comes in the telling of stories. And it's an interesting phenomena. But sometimes when we tell stories, we begin to appreciate how God's hand has been active in our lives in ways that we may not have seen before. I mean, think about this. And I lost track of how many years ago. But, But many, many years ago, I met a character named Bill Linder. (laughs) A character. I was teaching, I was chair of a small, uh, of a Bible department, Bible and religion department, at a small college in North Carolina. And he was recommended to me. And I met him, and and he taught as an adjunct, and it was a good relationship. I enjoyed him. I think he enjoyed teaching. Um, We got to know each other um, over that time. And then... I moved on from North Carolina to, to Michigan. Bill moved from where he was in North Carolina to, to where? Virginia. Virginia. And we really didn't talk, didn't hear from each other. And then we began a search for a celebration pastor. And I still sure remember um, the night, I was sitting at home working, and I was like, and the search was going, ah," eh. And I still remember going, oh yeah, Bill. Bill would be awesome. I forgot at that moment that he was an old rock and roll player, but that's another story. But you see, in telling that story, And as as I've shared it, what I've come to see is is the hand of God was already at work 20-some years ago in bringing Bill Lindner here. That's what feasts do. That's what telling stories does. It helps us to appreciate how we see the hand of God at work in our lives. And so we need to feast, and we need to tell stories, and we need to remember to give thanks to God. And we need to remember to profess to others God's love for us in Christ Jesus. For it is through the people of God that the Holy, people, the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, touches people who are outside our community. It is through the people of God that the Holy Spirit works to invite people into our community. Jesus, just prior to his crucifixion, gathered his disciples together for a meal. I'd like to say, it was the Passover feast. He gathered them together around the table. And the purpose of this feast was to instruct and to inform them. It was really to prepare them for what was to come. And it's interesting that at that feast, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And the disciples had no idea what this meant. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And I'm sure the disciples sat there puzzled at those words. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup, this wine, is the new covenant in my blood. And it's shed for the remission of sins. And so at this feast that was designed to instruct and to form the disciples, Jesus prepares them for what is to come. He prepares them. And this feast, which we celebrate as the Lord's Supper, this feast that we separate, we come because God, Jesus, invites us to this table. And he invites us to this table to instruct us in what he's done for us, He invites us to this table to form us. And we come to this table because of the finished work of Christ. But we come to this table in appreciation for what God has done. And as genuine gratitude flows from us as a response to the work of Christ. As a people, as the people of God, we are able to genuinely give thanks, not only for what Christ has done for us, but to genuinely give thanks for everything around us, because this is God's world. He sustains it, and His purposes are being accomplished. Let us pray. Lord, we pause. And as we pause, there are many things that run through our mind. Right now, I want to say I am incredibly grateful and appreciative for the children in our midst. For the love that they're experiencing from the adults and the parents around them that are supporting them. I want to thank you, Lord, that we come to your table and that through your table you shape us and you form us. And you help us to become people who people who ooze genuine gratitude in our lives. Who in gratitude point others to the Savior. Who as we learn to give thanks, we begin to see how your hand is at work in the world and in our lives. Shape us and mold us. As we partake, Meet us at your table. Allow us to experience your presence. Allow us to experience your transforming power and transform us into a people who ooze genuine gratitude. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you would like to bring your offering for Neighbors Plus as you come forward, please do. You may place it on and around the table. Brothers and sisters in Christ, all things are ready. Let us feast, be nurtured and form together at the Lord's table. Come. body of Christ given for you the blood of Christ shed for the remission of sins the body of Christ given for you the blood of Christ shed for the remission of sins thank you all For you and also give you the blood of Christ shed for the remission of sins. As you go from this place, as you gather with friends and with family and loved ones to feast. May God go before you to lead you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God go beneath you to support you. May God go behind you to protect you. May we go forth as a people of God who ooze gratitude in all the areas of our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.